0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard, might be a little bit shorter today. I got some things going on. You know, I've been busy. Maybe you've heard, been a little busy. You know, we're covering college football practice. We're uh, trying to do some recruiting stuff. High school football is about to get cranked up. We got to get out and go see some guys that are committed to Mississippi State. Get pictures and video. And we're doing a rock show. Right? Like I needed anything else to do, but man, I've had so much fun the last couple days. You know, something I've been talking about for a while. Went to work on it Monday and announced today. we got a headliner. How about that? you some details and a little backstory and kind of what's going to happen on that in the first segment of the show. Also, too, another opponent preview today. Pretty excited about this one. And we'll talk some uh, football practice. We've only got a few more open practices left before the team goes into mock week which replicates game week, right? So they'll have kind of a dress rehearsal, and then we'll get ready for the real thing. So we're down to just a handful of practices left. Of course, the, uh, the Bulldogs will scrimmage Saturday at Davis Wade Stadium. I won't be able to attend because I'm going to be at the Mississippi Book Festival. If you're interested in that, if you're going to be at the Book Festival, or maybe you live in Jackson, you thought, you know what, hey, I may want to go do something this weekend. It's a little bit different. Come to the Mississippi Book Festival. I am going to be on a sports panel, me and uh, Neil White and Dr. Robert Kayat at State Capitol at 9.30. That'll end around 10.30, and then we'll have a little book signing there at 11. And then after that, I'm going to spend the afternoon kind of chilling and then going to see the band Twist at Martins in downtown Jackson. So I'll be there. So if you're looking to uh, maybe go see some Rock and Roll Saturday. Uh, Go check those guys out. They're also going to be performing in Starkville here very soon. Matter of fact, uh, back-to-back weekends. Very happy to have them on the bill for Rock Vegas. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I, I love them. I don't like them. I love them. I love everything about it. I love the atmosphere. I love the selection. I love the quality. I love the pricing. I love the portions. Everything about it. Part of a great family of restaurants that has served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. And listen, don't be surprised when you find out there's going to be a Bulldog Burger empire, right? I mean, it's just, you know, I don't think there's any way they can stop at three. I think the branding itself, people have just learned to associate excellence with Bulldog Burger. It's true. Go by and check them out today if you hadn't already. And maybe if you've been a while, it's time you go back university drive here in star vegas gloucester street there in tupelo and the brand new one lake harbor drive there in the ridge and flowwood area not so brand new anymore just still an outstanding location to go get that great restaurant quality hamburger treat yourself today to the delicacies of bulldog burger company have the spring rolls as your appetizer get that chocolate shake to go you'll be glad you did and you say you know what steve maybe i'm not wanting quite that heavy i let's go that's cool sometimes i just want to have something fresh too right Have that great BLT salad. I prefer it grilled. You may like it fried. Either way, it's outstanding. And I I bet you, you you can't finish it. The portions are just so substantial. That's one of the things I love about them. There is pricing integrity at Bulldog Burger Company. Some other restaurants out there charging you a little bit more, giving you a little bit less. Not Bulldog Burger Company. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk a little bit about this rock show before we get into some football stuff. All right, so if you haven't seen my social media feeds today, let me bring you up to date. All right, we're going to do Rock Vegas. I just like the name. I was joking around with it. I was talking about calling it Villain Fest, kind of the playoff Stark Villains. But I thought, you know what, that almost comes across like a vanity project. Guys, I grew up at a time in Mississippi when we had a thriving rock scene. I did, and I was a little bit of a part of it. You know, we, we booked some shows. We did some battle the bands. I was involved with some of the projects. It was a lot to be involved with. It was a lot to love. We had a great rock scene. It seemed like pretty much every little town had kind of a, a garage band that was kind of doing some cool things, playing field parties, all that cool stuff like that, right? And we've lost it. I don't know why we lost it. I don't know if we all just got old and, and just didn't care anymore. But we don't have a thriving rock scene in Mississippi anymore. We don't. It's time to change. As I joked around, it's time to make Mississippi rock again. That's what we're going to do. And if that means i got to start booking shows again, if that means that I have to be involved with battle of the Bands, if we got to do another Best Guitarist in Mississippi contest, if that's what we've got to do, that's what we got to do. It's time for us to bring rock back to the Magnolia State. Now, we've had some bands in recent years who have done some good things. You know Bishop Gunn they went on hiatus for a while they're back not really a rock band but I really like those guys I do like Magnolia Bayou down there around Gulfport those guys got a pretty good sound too but I'm wanting to rock I want to rock like the way Twisted Sister rocked I think that's one of the problems that we have in society today there's not enough rock music there's not enough rock events and what's so funny is like I talk among my friends and they're always like man you remember?" Remember, we went to the Town Creek Saloon, or we went here, went there, and we saw this band and saw that band, and -and so-and-so played here, and then, you know, we had this band at the dock. And so it's like, we can just kind of sit around and wait for somebody else to do it, or we can do it ourselves. So we're going to do a great rock show here in Starkville. It's going to be September 30th at Hobie's on Main in the old State Palace Theater. What a historic venue. A lot of great people have played there. Some great people are going to play there very, very soon september 30th guys it's about six weeks away we got a lot to do between now and then now we'll have some ticket information for you it should be next week you'll be able to buy tickets online there will be no tickets at the door understand that also be be prepared this is not a huge venue right the thing you know holds uh you know five six hundred people right so this thing is going to sell out go ahead and be prepared for that and, and let me let me share this with you, too. I love all of you. I do. And if it were up to me, we'd have a big show, some big uh, arena somewhere, and I'd let you guys all come for free. I'm not going to be able to let any of you come for free. Okay? Und- understand that. I've got sponsors we got to take care of that are helping defray some of the cost of this. They're going to get some free tickets. But that's it. And here's the thing, too. I don't want you to feel like, well, Steve, I've been with you for so long. And that's true, and I appreciate that. This is not for me. This is to raise money for NIL use for the betterment of Mississippi State student athletes. And so if I let you go for free, then there's one person that would have bought a ticket that would have contributed to Mississippi State's NIL efforts. They won't get to come. So in the end, it costs Mississippi State's athletes money. And so please understand, this is a fundraising show. It's not my birthday party. It's not your birthday party. And so I, I, I'm all, it's already happening right now. Like, I started this Monday morning, and here it is Wednesday, and we, we've already pulled this thing together very, very quickly. And I've already got some people that have reached out and said, hey, man, I'd, I'd love to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll buy a ticket, okay? And I don't say that cold-heartedly, but these tickets are going to go very quickly. And I've got other people saying, hey, Steve, I'm going to buy tickets even though I'm not going to the show. And I appreciate that. But we do want to have a packed house that night. We do want to have a full crowd. We want people in the venue. Again, it's going to be Hobie's on Main. And I want Hobie to be able to sell some beer and sell some food, right? He's not just like, you know, we're not just performing there just for the sake of doing a show. I want Hobie and those guys to make some money. I want them to have a big night. We're supporting a historical business, right? I'm sure there's somebody out there that would let me do it in their field, right? Have, have a field party and hopefully it doesn't rain and trucks doesn't get stuck and all that kind of stuff. And we used to do all that when we were kids. But this is a big event. And uh, my, my heart is in this now, so I think, I think we're going to make this an annual event. Now, my hope is next year, maybe, now that I've got get my legs under me a little bit, let's get through the first year, right? Maybe next year we can talk to somebody and letting us do the amphitheater. I don't think that place gets utilized enough as it is. But what if we could bring a great rock show there every year? Chance for you guys to come and kind of enjoy, uh, enjoy a rock show. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Some other people have said, Steve, you should do it at the horse park. I, I, I don't know about that either. I don't know. I don't know. I am open to just about anything. But we're going to start somewhat small, right? We're going to start it at the State Palace Theater at Hobie's on Main, the old State Palace Theater, for those of you that are unfamiliar. And then we're going to go from there. And I know what's going to happen. Like the, week, the two weeks, I mean, it's going to be on Twitter. I wish Steve would have had this at a bigger, a bigger venue. You know what? Me too. Me too. But the hump is not available, right? Not that I think we'd fill it the first year. But we got to start somewhere. So this is where we start. We start at Hobie's on Main, September 30th. I'll have more details about timing and tickets and all that here in the days to come. All right, so we're going to bring a couple of uh, up-and-coming Mississippi rock bands with us, right? I'm a firm believer in, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. So we're going to do something cool. And in the meantime, we're going to bring some people along with us. We're going to provide some other people that are out there. Uh, trying to find a way themselves in the music industry. Again, this is about not only investing in Mississippi State, but investing in Mississippi's rock scene. So as soon as I began to plan this, and over the weekend I kind of made up my mind, I'm not going to wait till next year, we're going to do it now. We're going to do it now. I said, you know what? I remember my friend, Ryan Purser, who is the leader of the band Four Way Stop. Ryan is also a Boneyard listener. Ryan has come to book signings, and he's like, talked to me about music and stuff, and I've met him at some shows, and it's like, I, said, I, th- I told myself then, you know, if I ever do something like this again, I'm going to invite those guys, those guys to come play. They won the Battle of Bands last year and had the chance to open for Hardy at Bulldog Bash. So you may have already seen these guys, and if you have, you know that these guys can rock. And this is a rock show. I've had a lot of people contact me and say, hey, what about this band, that band? And listen, to be honest with you and to be fair about this, I already had my eyes on three bands. And I got all three of them, okay? And so Ryan and the guys from 4-Way Stop are going to open the show. Great guys. And, and listen, I told Ryan, I said, listen, Ryan, this is a rock show. Bring out the heat. Let's go out there and lay it down. They're excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to see them. I'm excited for them to play in front of you. So four-way stop will be our opening act, and then second we're gonna go with uh, a band called Twist. And I will see Twist this Saturday night uh, in Jackson. Ryan's talking about maybe coming up and checking it out. Uh, and that's the thing too. With all it's like, it's like now all of a sudden Ryan and those guys are interested. Hey, we're gonna be playing with these guys in a few weeks. Let's go out and check them out. That's what helps cultivate a scene and a culture. His band's kind of working together, and there's not enough of them anyway. So my hope is these guys hit it off. Maybe they do some shows together, right? Maybe it's a launching pad for both of them. But Twist, based out of, uh, I guess guess technically you'd say Jackson, but most of those guys I think live in Madison County. But they're a central Mississippi rock band. And I'll be honest with you, they're, they're not grunge, but they have kind of some early Nirvana vibes to them. They play a little more up tempo, I guess. And and uh I'm not gonna say anything negative but about Nirvana, but they have a unique sound. And uh I've heard they don't do they're doing originals. I've heard them play some covers like Killing in the Name of and things like that. And and uh so these guys rock too. They're up and comers too. I am uh close friends with one of the dads and so Again, when I got ready to put this show together, I was like, okay, who are people that I know that I can count on that will do a good job that are also deserving of an opportunity to share a stage with a national recording artist? Who would I want? I want people that I know and trust. I want people, number one, that I know are going to show up, and number two, they're going to do a great job, but also these young people deserve an opportunity to play in front of a great crowd, a great Mississippi State crowd the weekend that we get ready to play Texas A&M, Right? And our headliner, if you don't know, is Lillian Axe. That's right, Lillian Axe. We talked about them recently on this show. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, you know. And again, Lillian Axe was kind of the spearhead in many respects of the Mississippi music scene. Even though they were based out of New Orleans, they kind of broke in Mississippi. You know, when they came to Jackson and played the Town Creek Saloon or played wherever, everybody went. It was a huge deal. Lillian had and has a huge following in Mississippi. I was there in Mandeville just over the weekend, and it was kind of an under-promoted, kind of just a hometown show. It wasn't like a big deal. And they still had hundreds of people there at this little club, smaller than Hobie's, probably not much bigger than the size of Dave's. And it was packed. And you got fans in there that have been following the band, you know, since 83. I also want to point out to you, if you're unfamiliar, Lillian just dropped a brand new album. Technically, the release date is Friday. It's an album called From Womb to Tomb. It actually is available on Apple Music right now. I'd encourage you to check that out. Matter of fact, we're going to have one of those songs on our top 10 list today because we're going to revisit our Lillian Axe top 10 list so you guys can be a little more familiar. Maybe some of you that uh, maybe you were on the bandwagon years ago and you haven't kept up. You know, the band went on hiatus back in 95 and, and reformed, and now they're, they're doing great. Stevie is amazing, still to this day. So Lillian Axe is our headliner. And there's a part of me, too, I began to think about this yesterday. If I'm going to be involved in all this, if we're going to make this an annual event, I'd love to be able to look back one day at my life and say, you know, the first time we did this show, we had Lillian Axe headline the show. Uh, that They're an important band to me. Uh, Stevie Blaze used to be my hero. Now he's my friend, you know, and so... I'm just excited to have these guys come to Starkville. And I don't just do this. They say, hey, well, Steve, you know, it's, it's great you're doing something for NIL. I'm also doing something for Starkville. I'm also doing something for our rock fans in this part of the area. Now, listen, it's going to be tough to get a hotel rooms. It is because it's a ballgame weekend, right? We looked at a handful of dates. Matter of fact, we thought we had one picked out. Turns out that's the Friday before Bulldog Bash. That's the Friday of Bulldog Bash, so we don't want, we can't compete with those guys, and we would never do anything to try to detract from that. So we got a different date. We're gonna go September 30th. But we looked at a handful of other dates. You know, the oh, you know, Hopey had a conflict, Lilligan had a conflict. I didn't have a conflict. I'm willing to do whatever we got to do to make this thing happen. But we've reached out. We've got some sponsors already. And so once I collect from them, and we kind of get this thing going, I'm, I'm going to mention them on the show. We're not going to have these big ad reads and all, but I, I want you to know. Who else is contributing to bringing a rock show to Starkville? I want you to know because I want you to patronize those businesses. I want them to get credit for what they're doing. And so I've already had a, I've had to tell people hey, I think I got it right now, but let's hang on a little bit. Let me see where we are because it's been a whirlwind 48 hours. This whole thing started like 10 a.m. Monday. And here we are, you know, early afternoon on a Wednesday. And um, we've got the venue. We got the opening acts, we got the headliner, we got catering taken care of, we got hotel rooms taken care of. You know, now we're just kind of getting ready to, to, to get a show together. You know, we've got to, got to collect a little money, and of course, Gene's Page is going to be the majority sponsor here, so we have got to cut a check too uh, for this booking agent, and then uh, we're going to be good to go. And then we'll just kind of wait. And people are like, "Well, how are you going to promote it?" I'm like, "You know, I don't know how much promotion we're going to need to do, but we're going to do a bunch of social media traffic, and Lillian's going to have it on their social media. They're already sharing uh, the date." the details and so we're already starting to get some buzz even from the Lillian fans in South Mississippi and in Louisiana that have now seen the date they already hit me up saying hey where can I get tickets well nobody can get tickets yet because they're not on sale yet but once they are I'll make that information available to you but so here's the thing too and I don't want to get on some big rant about this okay all right so obviously I wasn't going to book the Pet Shop Boys right um some of you might want to see them but i'm a rock guy I, I respect all genres of music but i feel like we need to do some things to kind of cultivate the rock scene and lillian lillian acts basically pioneers of the mississippi rock scene they're, they're in the louisiana hall of music hall of fame stevie blaze is in as an individual as well and uh, they they received the uh I can't remember the name of the award, but they, uh, they were, there were dueling hall here a couple of years ago and got the, uh, icon award there in Jackson, but they are Even though, again, that they, they may hail from Louisiana, but we've always kind of claimed them as our own, you know, because they were kind of with us when they hit, you know, they were touring Mississippi regularly playing around the state and, um, you know, we just kind of felt like they were going places. And so it's kind of my honor to bring these guys back and kind of introduce them to new generations, but also to to give these younger bands a chance to play with an established band like Lillian Axe that has such a huge following in Mississippi. And so my hope is you'll come to the show and maybe you've never heard Four-Way Stop or Twist and all of a sudden you become fans of those bands and they can perhaps follow in the same steps that Lillian took as they were touring Mississippi back then. And so this is kind of like a melting pot of generations around rock music in Mississippi. And so I share that with you because I think it's important to understand this is bigger than just one night. It's not just a chance for us to get together and kind of put some money together for an IL. It's not that. It's twofold. And really, I guess threefold. We want to do something cool in Starkville, right? We want to have a killer time, raise some money, but also, too, we want to begin to kind of take some steps to help support the rock scene in the state of Mississippi. And i got a lot of people out there that have kind of been motivated. You know, you guys don't know this, but uh, when I was in high school, I was organizing Battle of the Bands in South Mississippi. I was involved in some other things like that. And, you know, I was in high school. You know, I remember getting calls from people, calling my mama's house, you know, people, you know, reps for musical equipment companies. are like, hey, we want to be involved in this. We'd like to be able to donate this. We'll sponsor this. And I'm a high schooler, man. And so I've had all these, when I, when I mentioned on Facebook the other day, I think it's time to make Mississippi rock again. Immediately I started getting messages from people, dude, are you bringing a battle of bands back? And you know what? We might. We, we just might do that. You know, I'll be an empty nester uh, next year. So I have a little more time to work on this kind of stuff. But um, I'm having fun. I don't know how long it lasts. And again, I'd like to make this an annual event. As long as NIL is part of our life, we probably should. Probably should. Uh, but here's the thing, and again, I'm not going to fuss and ride. about some people. Steve, you know, get a little preachy sometimes, and maybe I do. Maybe I do. I just feel this is important. It's one thing to talk about it. I mean, it is. We get out of here and we talk about it on the show and encourage you to give and that kind of stuff, and it's like, you know, I kind of ask myself, you know, Steve, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, you can write a check, encourage other people to do it, but, but what, what are you doing? What are you really doing? I thought, you know, I got a platform, I got some know-how, so let's go do it. This is not about praising me, and my hope is this maybe will inspire some other people to get involved and do some other projects that are beneficial for the betterment of our student-athletes. So we're gonna have a killer time at a killer show with a killer with some killer bands, and uh, I'm so stoked, man, for everybody. I mean, I, I have seen Lillian countless times, but uh, every time I see him, it's like it's brand new. But also, too, many of you have not seen them in years. Some of you have never seen them. And I began to think about these young people, you know, in, in Twist and, and Four Way Stop, to think this is a band that's got 10 albums. And they're going to be able to share the stage with them and probably have a chance, you know, talk a little bit, kind of get to know those guys a little bit. And uh, it's a cool thing. And I'm very, very proud to have put this together. But I'm also so incredibly appreciative of so many people that have reached out and said, hey, Steve, I support what you're doing. Let me, let me help out a little bit. You know, we got some great sponsors already, and again, I'll announce those. We're, we're going to have some event shirts. I'm not going to make a bunch of them, though. We're just going to have some event shirts that we're going to sell at the venue that night. And the, the, the proceeds of that also go to NIL. And then we're going to have, uh, of course, the bands will be selling merch. And, and I'm going to go ahead and make this request right now. I, I don't care what, what merch they bring. Please buy it all. Nothing will make me happier than to go to Walmart and see a bunch of people wearing Lily Knack shirts, right? I don't know what twist and four-way stop has as far as merch. I May mean, not I have much. But we have an opportunity to bring a national recording artist to Starkville. And I don't mean some people that recorded like an album at their friend's basement and they mixed it, you know, with some home equipment stuff and just threw it up on iTunes and called themselves a major recording artist. That's not the truth. But I got some, some things planned, you know, to make these bands feel special you know, to make them feel appreciated when they come, right? But let's turn out and make some things happen. Let's make it a special night and make these guys feel welcome. I I would love for all three of these bands to walk away and say, you know what, played a lot of shows, going to play a bunch more. But I don't know that anybody loves us more than the people of Starkville, Mississippi. It's important to me. It should be important to you. We want everybody to leave here having a positive experience. But also, too, I think about this. When we get ready to book a band next year, and I'm going to start working on that sooner rather than later, believe it or not. We're going to get through this one, and we're going to start looking ahead because, you know, people you know, book fall tours well in advance. We're probably going to need to raise some money and things like that, right? So we'll have a little more time to plan. This time I had not had much. We've had to hit the ground running. But I want whenever we get ready to book somebody next year, I'm going to say, I tell you what, you know, I know you've never worked with me before. You guys have never come and played our town. I tell you what, hit those guys up at Lillian Axe, talk to their booking agent, and ask them how we treated them. Because that's my goal, is I want to treat them better than anybody else does. We've got a, a great meal lined up, catered meal. It's going to be outstanding. And, again, it's not about me. It's about Starkville and about Mississippi State and about our student athletes, but also, too, our rock fans that maybe don't have many opportunities these days to put their fist in the air and celebrate rock and roll music. So we're going to do that. And and again, I I hope to do it every year. I really do. I hope to do it every year. And so my hope is it grows and maybe we get into a bigger venue. You know, maybe we stay at Hobies. I don't know. maybe, Maybe we look at maybe doing, you know, some intimate acoustic type stuff. I don't know. I'm open to whatever. But my hope is that this continues to grow to the point that this becomes a major player in mississippi state's nil function i know it's going to be mimicked and other people out there are going to say well hey well at least we can do a concert too and we'll get Carrie underwood and we're never going to be able to compete with that but i know this i know that we are proud of what we have and we can all take a part in participating and contributing to this and so be excited that something is happening and I hope that you can come out and be a part of it again. Tickets are going to go on sale soon. I'll have more information next week, but they're not going to last very long. This is a very popular band, has a huge following, especially in my generation in Mississippi and in Louisiana. People are going to be happy to come, uh, but also too, this is a chance, you know, for for us to kind of showcase ourselves as Stark villains, right? All right, let's thank our friend Blair Chandler. Close with Blair.com. I mean, it, it kind of just rolls off the tongue, right? Go to C L O S E with Blair, B L A I R.com, and learn more about the services that Blair Chandler offers. Blair, of course, is uh, in the mortgage industry, been in the industry 21 years, back to back years, top 1% close ratio in the country. Got it, works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction. When it's come to mortgage loan origination it's difficult sometimes to get loans approved you need to know somebody that can navigate through the labyrinth of underwriting and that's Blair Chandler nobody stays in any industry for 20 years plus without knowing what they're doing nobody survives that long in a commission-based industry on luck you got to be a person of know-how so if you're a non-conforming borrower with an atypical property or something like that you need to check in check in with Blair and say you know what Blair I need help, and maybe you're the only person that can help me. If you mentioned to him you heard about him on the barnyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. How cool is that? It's about a $500 value. Blair's phone number, his personal phone number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Close with Blair.com. All right, so we're going to revamp our top 10 Lillian list today. All right, so let's get right to it. Uh, and I, listen, people that love Lillian ask me, hey, what's your favorite album? It, it kind of depends on what mood I'm on, right? I mean, it's like, I was watching some footage earlier that uh, my buddy Craig shared with me of uh, Lillian playing at the Town Creek Saloon back in 87. It's pretty crazy to think about, man. Pretty awesome. Uh, but anyway, the gift of technology, right? So uh, so let's get into this. And here's the thing too, I could probably come up with the top 10 like, and just take two albums, right? I, I could come up with the self-titled album in Love and War and give you 10 great ones and you would feel good about that one. And then I could probably come up with, uh, you know, 10 from Psycho, Schizophrenia, and Poetic Justice, and you'd be good with that one. So, but I'm trying to include the kind of encompassing into our catalog here. And it's difficult to limit it to 10. I know mean, many of you only know the hits. But, uh, so let's start at number 10. And uh, this one is growing on me. It's a brand new, the brand new single from the album from womb to tomb. There is a video available now on YouTube. It's I Am Beyond. And I heard them sing this live for the first time this past Saturday. Very interesting song. The composition, like when you listen to Lily in, in the early days, you know, they were you know, pretty, I, I hate to use the phrase typical, but they were kind of true to the time. And they have really progressed in, in some kind of like a progressive rock band in many respects. I hate to call them a prog rock band because I think Lillian's kind of in their own lane. But this song and this album is true to the old Lilligan sound, but it's very, it's matured a lot since then, if that makes sense. So if you like Lillian you'll hear those your famous Stevie Blades licks. Brent Graham, a new singer, doing a killer job. This is his first album. But the reality of it is, is that The band continues to mature and evolve. I Am Beyond, a really, really cool song. Number nine, uh, going back a few years, another singer, and Lillian's had a few over the years, but um, it's a song that uh, I think that uh, maybe some of you are unfamiliar with. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right but uh we've had a handful of songs that uh maybe you guys are somewhat familiar with and, and maybe you're not but i think this is one maybe that uh you are probably not familiar with it's a little bit deeper this is when derek was a singer uh derek lefevre it's a song called jesus wept off sad day on planet earth that was released uh back in 2021 that they've released it re-released it in digital formats but uh that's your number nine song today, Jesus Wept. And it's not a ballad, but it is very spiritually based. Stevie is, uh, is a guy that, uh very, very grounded in his faith. So song Jesus Wept, number nine. Number eight, also with Derek on uh, on the pipes here, it's uh, f- the self-titled track from the album Waters Rising that came out oh about 15 years ago, I guess. This is a killer track, man. If you're unfamiliar with it, they still play it live from time to time. Kind of a fan favorite. Now, from here, I think, by and large, we're going to get into songs that most of you know, maybe with one exception. But number seven, the song that, for many, kind of started it for you, and it's a Dream of a Lifetime. And people are like, Steve, why is this one so low? It's because there are so many Lillian songs that I love. Dream of a Lifetime, again, really good track, really good uh, guitar on this one, and again, kind of typical for the time, so it kind of fit right in with what was happening it's off the self-titled album number six off the album psycho schizophrenia it's a track crucified which gene swindoll now tells me because he is a new lillian axe fan he now tells me it is one of his favorite rock songs of the last uh, couple decades loves the track i think you'll dig it too the guitar on this is ridiculous i mean i don't just mean like the solo that's usually how we defined people back then and then, you, then we got to a point where we didn't do guitar solos, and that was because we basically had a bunch of rhythm guitar players playing lead. But Stevie Blaze is that dude, man, and he kills it here. The riff is great. The chorus is great. All the little fill-ins are great. I think it's one of the shining moments in Stevie Blaze's career. It's a song called Crucified, again, off Psycho Schizophrenia. All right, number five. And there there was times in my life that um, the album Poetic Justice was my favorite Lillian album. And again, it just kind of depends on what day you ask me. But I love this. There's not there's not a filler track on this album. And it should have been huge. It absolutely should have been huge. They covered uh, Bad Fingers no matter what, which is great. But uh, this album actually, I think, was the highest-charting album of Lillian Axe's career. And I really believe if the record company had gotten behind them, they could have been as big as many of their contemporaries. But uh, it's the song, True Believer. And one of the reasons that I think Lillian, number one, is still playing, but also, to recording music, is because Stevie Blaze is such a phenomenal songwriter. And you may not know this. He writes everything, every song that Lillian X has ever recorded, written by Stevie Blaze. He's the talent. And there's some talented guys in that band, don't get me wrong, but he is the undisputed leader of the band. But True Believer, a great track. If you uh, if you saw me on Facebook, I actually recorded that live for you guys last week and posted it on Facebook. And my Facebook is free, so if you miss it, you can go find it yourself. All right, number four, Lillian has had some killer ballads over the years. This one, to me, is is not really necessarily a ballad. It's one of those things, too. It's almost kind of like, um, like a realization at times that life's not always going to be fair. And it's a song nobody knows, and they generally dedicate this to, to different people, when they perform it live. And I suspect as long as Lillian Axe tours, they'll perform this song. That's Nobody Knows, you know, when you're down and out. Nobody cares what it's all about. Check it out. It's, uh, it's not the typical 80s ballad, but it, is, it does have that big chorus that was kind of typical for the time again. All right, so number four, Nobody Knows. It's off the self-titled album. Number three, the much-anticipated follow-up to that self-titled album because Lillian had opened for Rat and Queen's Rack and some other people like that. So we couldn't wait. And I remember Maxie Williams having an advanced copy, and uh, he was doing sound for us at a show, and he put on a couple tracks. And he goes, and he, had, he, he guarded that little CD with his life, because it was unreleased. They didn't want it to leak out there. But uh, the album is Love and War. Again, not a bad track on that album. I, you know, one of, there's a hidden gem on there that didn't make our list. It's called My Number. The guitar on that is so crazy. I loved... Steve Blaze is a Riff for sure. But the title track, All's Fair in Love and War, I loved the build-up to it. And see back in the 80s and early 90s, we like we had these big intros to songs that were that made the album version a little special. Cause you had the radio edit version that people played on the radio, but the album version sometimes you'd have sometimes a one or two-minute introduction. This one's not quite that long, but it's got this building intro that kind of goes into the track. And I think Ron Taylor absolutely kills the vocal on this. All's Fair and Love and War. Number two, arguably the most successful radio single for them, it's Show a Little Love. They usually close the set with this because everybody wants to hear it. And uh, I remember watching on Headbangers Ball, and it just felt like when I saw that on MTV, I thought, oh, my gosh, look at this. I know these guys, right? It's a much different deal, right? When you get into a band early on and you're you're kind of invested in them and watching them be successful, and then to see them be on Headbangers Ball and stuff, it just absolutely blows you away. So show a little love. But my favorite Lilian song, and I got in trouble when I was in in school, living at home, because uh, the best rock station within uh, earshot of us in uh, South Mississippi most days was WRNO. Then we had Z Rock and Jackson, and sometimes you could get that and sometimes you couldn't. But sometimes I would want to hear Lillian Axe I'd get on the phone and I would make that 504 area code call and I'd make a long distance call down to rno and request Misery Loves Company. So I had to pay for those calls. I tell you what, it was worth it. Absolutely worth it. And you know what's crazy too? Is that once I got the cassette, I still made the call because I still wanted it to be played on the radio. It wasn't enough just for me to have it. I wanted that song to get played. I wanted I wanted more people to enjoy that song, and I wanted it literally going to be played on the radio. So that's the top ten list. I am beyond, Jesus wept, waters rising, dream of a lifetime, crucified, true believer nobody knows, all's fair in love and war, show a little love, and then misery loves company. I'll tell you, one of my favorite ones too, i got to give an honorable mention here, it's off Poetic Justice. It's dying to live. And it's un- kind of unlike anything else on that album. The vocal's great. It's, uh, it is a really cool track. But I would suggest, if, if you're going to come to this show and you hadn't listened to Lillian in a while, maybe start at the beginning. Go back and listen to that self-titled album. Work your way forward. There's 10 albums out now, so you've got to listen to do. They're going to play the hits, but listen, they're not a nostalgia act. They've still got new material, and I would encourage you to listen to that new album and listen to Brent's vocals. Uh, I guess we played uh, No Problem and um, I Am Beyond at the last show. The Great Deception might make the playlist. It's tuned down a full step, and so when they're playing a smaller show, you know, they don't always bring the full rig, and so so we'll see what they play in Starkville. But uh, pretty excited about this. Again, familiarize yourself. you got some homework to do before now on September 30th. And go back and jam these Lillian and, and songs, and I, I see people at shows, man, they've got, like, Lillian Axe shirts from, like, 91, 92. You know, you guys are great. I don't have those. <laughs> if they do, they wouldn't fit me. But that's your top ten list today. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. Roy's been hitting me up with some new ones. Many of you have hit them up. You know, we've, again, we were going to do a classic rock person today, but then we got, I decided to get motivated and get the show closed, so we're going to do that. And then uh, we'll do a classic rocker on Friday, a name that you know, that you're very familiar with. We'll do his full catalog. I'm excited about that. You should be too. But uh, reach out to Roy on Twitter at dogmatic67. That's d a w g m a t i c. Excuse me, yeah, t i c six seven, and also on Spotify. Happy to share this with you and share the the, the gift of music. If you can, if you got support questions, dirty jokes, hair care tips, whatever, send them to Roy. At Dogmatic 67. All right. New segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too. Excited to partner with them, man. They have been so great to me over the years. They'll be great to you too, because it's not just because I'm so darn special. They are the special ones. They take care of you. They take care of me. The latest in Mississippi State merch, the greatest selection, a lot of people advertise that. It's not that's fake news, right? The new bully shop, completely renovated, it's upstairs now. A wide assortment of Mississippi State merchandise to choose from, and you know Miss Kathy Brown's going to keep the shelves stocked with cool stuff. Go by and see their smiling faces today. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you visit them at campusbookmart.net. Use promo code BSR. It stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over fifty bucks. Any order less than fifty dollars, absolutely incomplete. Campusbookmart.net. All right, today we're going to look at the Ole Miss Rebels. A lot of Bulldog fans look at them every day. We're going to look at them today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. get ready to roll man and uh, I remember being a kid that was like the biggest highlight for us my grandmother would get us tickets every year and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits we would put our boots on have our chaps our vest and we would go up there and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull we were willing to do it yeah for sure guys boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar And doing a little boot scoot Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game Tacovas can make you look better than ever Absolutely And here's the deal too That's the thing The versatility of Tacovas Is you can wear them somewhere nice Or you can live life where you don't go gently That's what Tacovis does for you Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot It's my favorite boot brand And it should be yours too We're going to break them down, and uh, it's interesting to know what to expect in Oxford. Big season last year. There's no denying that. A veteran team led by an NFL caliber quarterback, they had a big year. First 10 win regular season in Ole Miss football history. You know, we did it first, but uh, again, that's a major accomplishment, and it's impossible to deny the fact that Lane Kiffin has done a good job up there. So let's take a look back at last year. Then we'll kind of look into what's going on. And again, this roster is very much in flux. They lost a lot last year and then really, 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 really invested in the transfer portal. And there's a lot of discussion this year. That's what they're going to do too. Is you know, About half their class is going to come from the portal. Is that the right way to do it? Remains to be seen. Maybe Lane Kiffin's ahead of the curve. Maybe he's biting off more than he can chew. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting study when it comes to college football roster management to see what Lane Kiffin and those guys are doing. Okay, so last year, and again, some games last year too, you looked at, and I expected to lose some of these games. They won. Of course, they opened the season at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. They handled the Louisville Cardinals 43-24. The next week, Austin P, 54-17, and then 61-21 winners over Tulane. I thought the Tulane game might be a little more competitive. I didn't think Tulane would win. But uh, it was impossible to deny that the first three weeks of that season, they had that offense absolutely rolling. Of course, Jeff Labby has left. That's interesting. You know, and contrary to popular belief, he is the primary play caller or was the primary play caller. So they had the bye week to kind of get ready for Alabama. And people were like, man, this, this is a huge ball game, Huge. And the game was basically over in a quarter. Ole Miss won the fourth quarter. Perhaps they hung a banner. But Alabama wins 42-21. But there was no doubt who the better team was that day. And to be fair to Ole Miss, too, Alabama was just better. The next week, kind of a classic game. I mean, what is it about Arkansas and Ole Miss? They always tend to kind of bring out the best in each other. I mean, to be fair, I think that is a sneaky good series that people don't talk enough about. There have been some legendary games between those two schools. And it's always some wild finish. I mean, it's just insane how things have gone there. And so, you know, while we are their primary rival, at the same time, too, you look at this Arkansas and Mrs., and Ole Miss series, and you begin to realize, you know, this is a game, you talk about it being a toss-up every year. It absolutely is. Let's take a quick look back at some of those games. We won't spend a lot of time talking about this. But, uh, you know, you remember the seven overtime game? Remember that? Absolutely insanity. Was it 58-56? Arkansas wins. That's the Matt Jones game, I believe. And so in recent years, though, I mean, let's just go back here and look. You know, Arkansas trounced them back in 14, 30 to nothing. That that was a game we were all really excited about. But, um, you know, since that game, in 15, Arkansas wins 53-52. That's that wild game with Brandon Allen, and that's the fourth and 25 play or whatever that was so crazy, and Hunter Henry throws the ball back, and Alex Collins gets it and runs for a first down. They score a go for two and win. Brandon Allen diving in and getting banged up at the end. The next year, Arkansas wins 34-30. Another crazy situation there. 17, 38-37 winners for Arkansas, which made four in a row. In 18, Ole Miss comes back and wins 37-33. Then there's a little bit of a distance in the next couple of games. 2019, Ole Miss wins 31-17. And in 2020, the crazy year there, Arkansas wins 33-21. And then last year, a 52-51 game that, again, went down to a two-point conversion. And K.J. Jefferson just a little bit wide on the throw there. Ole Miss does a good job kind of getting it in his face. So, again, you know, some really good games. So, if you're around, maybe you sit down and watch this uh, this Arkansas uh, Ole Miss game this year with 52-51 winners uh, last year for Ole Miss. Then they go to, to Tennessee, and that's the uh, the famous return of Lane Kiffin to Knoxville, Tennessee. That's the golf ball and mustard bottle game. 31-26 winners for Ole Miss. And remember, there was, again, a little bit of controversy. I did not buy into the controversy because I thought that the Tennessee wide receiver was at least a foot or more short of the line to gain on that fourth down play. Now, Tennessee kind of got it going late and had some juice. If they get a first down there, maybe they win the game. A lot of people, Mississippi State, people are like, oh, they screwed it up on replay. I, I absolutely did not think he made it. 31-26, they have the, the near riot there, and people start throwing things, which is very unbecoming of an SEC program, especially one as steep in tradition as Tennessee. And I know how bad they wanted to beat Lane Kiffin. But, again, I think if you remove the emotion from the moment, he was short. Maybe he shouldn't have been, but he was. 31-26 winners for Ole Miss. And at this point, I thought, you think, yeah, yay. Ole Miss is for real. A couple tight ball games, and that's the difference sometimes in a 10-win season and an 8-win season is you find a way to win those games. Uh, the next week, LSU 31-17. Ole Miss gets up there. You know, LSU kind got of out, got out of their element. They couldn't run the football with the success they had in, in recent years. And so now you're thinking, man, is Matt Corral going to win the Heisman? Is Ole Miss going to find a way to get to Atlanta? Well, they kind of removed the possibility of that the very next week. They go to Auburn and get beat 31-20. I don't know that many people saw that coming because Auburn ended up falling apart after that. Maybe Ole Miss broke them. The next week they beat Liberty 27-14. It was a very boring game. I remember we were watching some of that in the press box before Mississippi State's game that day. They just simply couldn't get it going. The next week, they beat A&M, and I really thought C.J. Spiller and A&M would be able to run at will, and for some reason, they decided to pass. I don't know if Ole Miss kind of baited them into some bad checks at the line, but Ole Miss wins 29-19, and they closed the regular season out on a four-game winning streak. You know they were going to beat uh, Vanderbilt. That game was still 31-17. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I you know, those two teams, when they get together, you can throw out the record books. And then they come to Starkville, and they beat us 31-21. The game all, you know, give again, you give Matt Corral the credit for winning this game. And that's not to say it's not a team effort. But as State brought a lot of pressure and put a lot of stress on the offensive line, they began to break down. And Matt Corral used his feet, and Matt was banged up much of the year. And Matt Corral won the Egg Bowl. He did. And, of course, State had what – three consecutive drop touchdown passes on one drive, and we come away without a field goal, and we end up losing by 10. You know, if you put that thing in the end zone at the half, maybe it's a different ball game. But the reality of it is Ole Miss made the plays to win. We did not. Then they go to the Sugar Bowl again. It'd be nice for us to go, right? I, I, listen, the Sugar Bowl's not what it once was because we don't crown the SEC champion by winning the Sugar Bowl. You know, usually that's how it goes. The SEC champion goes to the Sugar Bowl, right? Well even though that's not the case, I still want to go to the Sugar Bowl because we've never been. They've been two times in, uh, what, the last seven years, six years. We should have gone in 15, but we blew it. We did. Wasn't on them, it was on us. And But they go up there and uh, 21-7 losers, just wasn't able to do much. Matt Crowell gets banged up in the game and then um, Luke Altmaier takes over. And, and Luke, Luke was a gamer, but with that Baylor front, and that banged up offensive line, and again, Luke's not the runner that Matt is. It, it, that was going to be a difficult undertaking, and again, that's a startable kid, man. And uh, I know his dad uh, served us many years here on staff, and so I wish no ill will on Luke Altmeyer. But that, that was almost an impossible situation, you know. Throw a kid out there like that against a defense like that, and you are already facing a deficit and having difficulty running the football. But all right, but they end the year, you know, a ten and three record, so six and two in the league outstanding outstanding and then went 10 overall so you know again great year for Ole Miss so what do they return this year they lost a lot and I think that's being uh maybe that's being mild and it depends on how quickly they can put this thing back together of course Matt Corral is gone you bring in Jackson Dart from the portal and let's be honest if it's even Jackson Dart's going to start now, I have read some reports out there that said Jackson Dart is ahead. Now, I'll tell you, according to an NFL scout that I spoke to, it's a lot closer than that. He said he's been to a couple practices and looked at some of the players, and he thinks that Luke Altmyer is holding his own, that he is very much in this competition. And I don't think that's necessarily an endartment on Jackson Dart. I just think Luke Altmyer is a competitor. Now, quarterback play up there is going to take a step back this year. No matter how you look at it, I mean, it's not. it wouldn't be fair to expect a newcomer to be able to uh, to take over, your know, first-year starter to take over and maintain the level of uh, proficiency that Matt Corral did, not to mention you've got a new coordinator. It's a relatively new scheme in some respects. You're going to run some new elements of that. But the quarterback thing is still unsettled. I do suspect that we'll see Jackson Dart, but if he struggles, then I think Luke Almeyer plays. But against the front half of the schedule, you could probably pull a kid out of the stands and do well. Ole Miss lost a ton in the running game. They also went out and signed a couple guys that ought to be able to pick up. Jerry and Ely, you know, a disappointing career. I wouldn't call him a bust, but uh, I disagreed with making him a five star when we did. I, I voiced my concerns not that he was going to Ole Miss, just because I knew we were going to have this conversation at some point. Like, oh, this kid's a five star. I honestly think ranking Jer- Jerrigan Lee as a five-star wasn't fair to him because the, I don't know that he had the ability to meet those expectations. I think he was a very good college player, but ultimately ends up undrafted. Snoop Conner, a guy that was rated a two-star, ends up drafted. And I think in many respects, Snoop's probably, you know, maybe better built for the NFL. And again, look at Snoop, a guy that was kind of under-recruited at a Hasbro High School and probably even underutilized at Ole Miss. And then uh, Henry Parrish Jr. was a guy that was expected to come back and really challenge. He ended up transferring to Miami. And so not much returning. So they hit the portal, and they go out and get former five-star running back, Zach Evans, at TCU. And he's a guy, too, that had some issues at TCU. He's not just leaving because, hey, I'd like another opportunity. I mean, he had some issues. He was suspended. Then there's SMU's Ulysses Bentley IV. It really sounds like an old misname, doesn't it? Uh, Good player, and you know, you think it should be a pretty good one to punch for them. And uh, Bentley had a good season last year. And, of course, SMU runs kind of a progressive offense. They'll spread you out too. So some of the terminology and stuff will probably be similar. Some of the the concepts offensively should be similar. So I don't think it's going to take long for him to get up to speed. And, you know, again, it would be one thing if they only had Zach Evans, and that's a guy that's had some issues. But I think getting Ulysses Bentley is big. All right, so you begin to think about um, – What's next for Ole Miss at receiver? I mean, all of your leading receivers are gone too. And a lot of people are talking about Jonathan Mingo being the guy. Mingo, to be fair to Jonathan Mingo, he has not lived up to expectations, but he has been hurt uh, much of two of the last seasons. He just hasn't been completely healthy. If he is, could he become the go-to guy? Well, he certainly could be. I've never thought that he was on the level of A.J. Brown or – uh dj dk Metcalf. many people try to suggest he was and that really wasn't a fair comparison i mean you got a couple guys there that you know were pretty much surefire nfl guys even coming out of high school i don't think jonathan mingo is in that category and again that's not being critical of him i just think it's not a fair comparison uh but mingo will be a guy that should be uh you know probably a chance to be the number one we'll see how things go but then you, know, you bring in louisville transfer uh, jordan watkins had a decent year last year Uh, Jalen Robinson is a guy that uh, has a pretty high ranking, but I don't know that his production on the field matches his transfer ranking. That will be interesting. Again, that's another name. He's a speedster. Could he be a guy? He certainly could. But, uh, again, you're you're depending on a lot of new faces in in an offense that is kind of predicated on skill like everybody else. You've got a a brand-new quarterback, new running back room, and a reshuffled wide receiver room offensive line, uh, returns a couple guys. Uh, Nick Broker, of course, comes back. Um, you know, uh, that's a guy too. A lot of people thought he may go pro last year, elected to come back. And I understand he did get graded that he, he would have been selected had he gone. Uh, so he's coming back and uh, will likely boost his NFL stock. But, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. You get Mason Brooks. It's a guy that we recruited at Western Kentucky. One of the better offensive line prospects in the portal. And he just liked Ole Miss better, so he's headed up there. So, perhaps he'll be a dude for them. I like the kid. I like his game. Wish he'd have been a bulldog. He's not. But this is an offensive line that's going to have, you know, they got some spots to fill. Defensively, defense is a lot better last year. I think we can all agree with that. They were a lot better last year. You know, running defense, they were absolutely dreadful. For you know the end of the Matt Luke era and the beginning of the uh, Lane Kiffin era, they were much better last year. But to, here's the thing: now everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. Chance Campbell's gone. Mark Robinson's gone. Sam Williams is gone. So you you got to go hit the portal, right? And they did. They went out and got a bunch of guys on defense. Uh, you know, JJ Pegues, remember him? You know, JJ Pegues uh, signed with Auburn. Spent a couple of years there playing H back. to played D line, you know he's a guy that could be a factor. on that front there we'll see but um they've lost a lot of production to say the least it's interesting too the um they have some names some bodies up front so it's just going to be kind of getting that group to mesh and again you lose all those backers and you lose a you know guy like sam williams i mean that's just sam's a great player no doubt about it he really gave he had a good game against us uh even though he didn't always fill the box score, he had a couple big impact plays. He's a guy that really – he creates pressure, right? Secondary should be good. Um, Deontay Prince is the guy that's back, you know. Uh, that's a guy, too, that uh, left, came back. Should be a good guy for them. Otis Reese, a guy that should be able to do some good things. A.J. Finley as well. They went out to the portal, too. Got a couple other guys. So, again – I think with Ole Miss, we're, we're, not, we're never going to see them early, right? I think the issue with them is how quickly can this team gel? Now, they benefit from having you know, a really light schedule in the first half. I, I, think, I don't think anybody would, would argue against that. that. That's just kind of the reality of life. They don't really play anybody early on. Really, in the first half of the schedule, you only have one game that I would even consider a toss-up. But let's start and run through it. They're going to open at home with Troy – That should be an easy win, right? And then they get Central Arkansas the next week. That better be an easy win. So they should be 2-0 going to Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech, you know, Jeff Collins, I love Jeff. He's one of the smartest people I've ever known. It just hadn't worked out. Now, Jeff, Jeff's on the hot seat this year. I think everybody understands that if Jeff doesn't get it right this year, Jeff's probably looking for a job next year. And that Georgia Tech team, you would think, you know, with, with Jeff's ability to recruit and the resources available to them in the Atlanta area, they ought to be pretty good defensively. They went 3-9 and nine last year. Ended the year on a six-game losing streak as well. And you begin to look at all this stuff. You know, you know, They played Clemson pretty tight last year. They beat Duke. But it's like if that's, that's your shining moment of the season, it hadn't good have been season, it wasn't a good season, and it wasn't. And down the stretch there, absolutely miserable. They narrowly lose to Miami, and then they lose to Boston College. Notre Dame blows them out 55-0, and Georgia blows them out 45-0. So you know that Ole Miss is going to get Georgia Tech's best shot. I just don't think it's going to be enough. Now, it's in Atlanta, you know, so, you know, we'll see. But I, I think Ole Miss wins this thing. Maybe it's a tussle for a half. I know Jeff will have everybody motivated and ready to go. I just don't know if they're going to have the personnel to match up with Ole Miss. I know a lot of Bulldog fans will be pulling for Jeff and Georgia Tech like you will be everybody that Old Miss plays. I just don't see it. I just don't think that Georgia Tech will have the talent to compete with Ole Miss. Now, Jeff's a good enough defensive play caller. that He can make it interesting for a while, but at some point you got to score points. All right, the next week, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane in Oxford, and you begin to look at that and you think, all right, is this the most difficult of the non-conference games even though you go to Georgia Tech? You know, Tulsa has been a hard-nosed team you know, you remember we got in a big fight with them after the Armed Forces Bowl. They went 7-6 and six last year and won their last four, including the bowl game, the Myrtle Beach Bowl. We've never been there. But uh, they, beat, they go on the road to beat Tulane, they beat Temple, and they win at SMU. So a couple road wins down the stretch, and of course they win the bowl game. But uh, again, this is going to boil down the talent differential, and I just don't think that, that they're going to have enough to compete with Ole Miss. So Ole Miss should be 4-0. and when Kentucky comes to town. Now, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, are high on this Kentucky team. Oh, they should beat Mississippi State, but they shouldn't beat Ole Miss. Uh, I think, actually, that the matchup is more favorable in Kentucky-Ole Miss than it is Kentucky-Mississippi State. You said, but, Steve, we lost up there two years ago. Yeah, Look at what we did last year when we didn't turn the football over. I think because of the fact that Ole Miss, is, a, is I believe, is going to be kind of a run-first offense, and they should be, Kentucky's kind of built to stop the run. Kentucky doesn't have an elite secondary. So they're not going to match up well with us, provided we don't turn football over. I think they match up better with Ole Miss. I think Kentucky gets this game. I I do. I think what they'll do is I think they'll be good enough against the run to kind of get in some third and long uh, and third and medium type situations and put the pressure on the quarterbacks to win the game. And, again, this is a retooled wide receiver room too – And you're getting them early. And I don't think Ole Miss will have been tested to this point. I got Kentucky winning this game. And, of course, then Ole Miss plays at Vanderbilt. And that's not to say that Vanderbilt won't bring a good effort. Just not enough enough juice offensively there. You know, I think the only hope that Vanderbilt has is to probably get a defensive touchdown or two just to keep it close. Then Ole Miss welcomes Auburn to town. You know – I didn't think Ole Miss would have lost to Auburn last year. I don't think they will this year either. But this Auburn team is one of those teams, too. It's almost impossible to know what to expect. Everybody's picking them last. There's really no expectations. A lot of people are expecting Harson to get fired at year's end. So I kind of go back to the old adage, the toss-up usually favors the team at home. I don't even know maybe if it's fair to Ole Miss to call it a toss-up game. I think Ole Miss should be better. But I sometimes wonder, am I saying that because I'm skewing my opinion based on last year's Ole Miss team – are this year's Ole Miss team. I think by this time, we'll have seen enough of Ole Miss to have an idea of what their identity is. But I like Ole Miss to win this ballgame, which makes them 6-1. and 6-1 and one at that point. And then the pain train comes. You can say, Steve, what do you mean? I think Ole Miss loses out. Now, I know there are going to be so much people to listen to this, this show and say, oh, that's just Steve being Steve. you know, And it is. But I'm going to shoot it to you straight. You got to go down there and play at LSU. Tough place to play even when you got a good team. And Ole Miss kind of pushed LSU around a little bit last year. I think LSU, by this point in the season, will be playing a better brand of football. I think they win the game. The next week, back-to-back road games for the Rebels. They will go to College Station, Texas. That's, again, another series that uh, has been very competitive between the two. I just think a and again, against a more run-first offense with that front, is going to be able to handle things. And what do you do with a young quarterback? I and mean, back-to-back road trips like that, because at this point, you know, when you get ready to go to Tiger Stadium and, and, <laughs> and Kyle Field, that's two of the loudest venues in all of college football. And the only road game you will have played to this point is a trip to Georgia Tech, and there's a very apathetic fan base there. So two true road games, again, two historic venues. I got Ole Miss losing them both. Then you get the week off, and then you welcome Alabama to town. Okay, that, that's a loss. Then you've got to go to, right through Arkansas against a very hard-nosed Razorback team that is also going to be a run-first team. And I like Sam Pittman's offensive line a little bit more than I like what we know about the Ole Miss defensive line right now. I may feel differently as we get close. But looking at this from 30,000 feet away, I got Arkansas winning a game. The next week, they welcome Mississippi State. On a short week, in-state, we'll play, you know, East Tennessee State the Saturday before. We ought to be able to pull starters at the half and be able to rest up for a short week. But when you look at that gauntlet that Ole Miss goes through, three out of four, on the road, and the one home game is against Alabama, it's going to take a very physical toll on that team. Arkansas, a very physical team. I mean, really, all four of these teams that they're going to play before they play us will absolutely beat you up, and they will fill up the training room. And I think, too, I think it's just point Leach is just – I think Leach and these guys will kind of have an idea of how to play Ole Miss. I think they had a good way to play them last year. We just didn't execute. And, again, I don't know that the Ole Miss defense this year is going to be on the same level as last year. I mean, I think we're going to be better on the, on the offensive line, so we ought to be able to avoid, uh, you know, Sam Williams coming in there and just wreck and chop on us. But also, what kind of toll does it take on a team mentally when you drop four in a row? And so I got Ole Miss losing that game. So seven and five is what I have. Um, is that right? Seven and five? I got them losing to Kentucky. So, so yeah. So maybe, maybe I'm uh, – being the homer here, but I got them losing to Kentucky and then losing to LSU, A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. So there you go, 75. And then the Auburn game is a toss-up. But I think Auburn, I don't think Auburn's just going on the road and winning up there. I just, they'll find a way to go. But again, if, if, if Ole Miss doesn't settle its quarterback situation and get some good quarterback play. Uh, it could be interesting. There's a lot of questions about this Ole Miss team, and it's like, we're, we're ban- again, we're banking on the portal to fill these needs. And, you know, it takes a while to build some continuity and some cohesion as guys play- learn to play together for the first time. So Ole Miss, in many respects, kind of a blessing here to have a light first half of the schedule because you want to get things settled before you start playing these toss-up games. But I think this season, in many respects, is going to be defined by – what happens the first half of October? I mean, you know, if, if they have a dreadful October, you know, you could be a six and six type year, or worse, right? That gauntlet down the stretch, I just don't give Ole Miss a lot of hope for winning any of those games. But you get Kentucky, then you're at Vanderbilt, which it should be okay, and then you got Auburn coming in. So that's a that's an interesting swing right there. If you're Ole Miss, you gotta win two of those three. If you lose two of those three, it's going to be awfully interesting down the stretch, to say the least. But uh, again, I think it's a seven and five team as we sit here today. You know, as we get into the games, you know, guys get hurt. You know, new playmakers emerge. Uh, personnel groups kind of get some things figured out. So, uh, so we'll see. But I, I got the rebels going seven and five. Maybe you guys disagree. Uh, let me know if you do. I'm sure some old Miss people will let me know. I'm, I'm a complete idiot. They're going to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, and going to Atlanta and possibly winning an FBS championship, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, that's how things work. But uh, that's my thought on it. If you disagree, let me know. Maybe you agree with me. Uh, I, I, think, I do think it's going to be a talented team. I just think it's a team that uh, is in transition. And I think there are a lot of people out there that, you know, if, if we're being fair to Ole Miss, which people will accuse us of not being, I, I don't think it's fair to expect them to go anywhere to replicate anything close to what they had last year, considering the fact that they have basically turned this entire staff over with, with few exceptions. I think there's only one coach left on the staff from Lane Kiffin's first staff. So there's a lot of new faces. So there's a lot of new people figuring things out. And so this is a year that could be, could be interesting in Oxford, to say the least. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. Let me give you Brooks Bryan's phone number right out of the gate. You guys know Brooks. Chances are, if you've been to Mississippi State sporting event, Brooks is there too. You know, he used to play Mississippi State, part of two college World Series teams. Thank you, Brooks, for your contributions to Mississippi State athletics. Now, Brooks is trying to make Starkville a better place to live. Part of a great group of developers putting this wonderful residential development together in uh, Starkville, Portico. Easy to get to off 82 on 12, take the very first right, go through that four-way stop, there you go, there's Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Be sure and check it out next time you're in town. If you're looking to move to Starkville, I encourage you to give Portico your opportunity. Phase one completely sold out, phase two under construction, and some of that already sold. So if you're looking to make a move, now is probably the time to do so. Maybe you've always dreamed of making Starkville your home again. Do it now. Maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat, maybe it's your future retirement home. Portico has a plan and a lot just for you. Brooks's phone number 601 416 8075. Again, 601 416 8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, in these final minutes we have together, let's talk a little bit about football practice. You know, we're going to wrap up the media availability this week. It's been great. I'll be honest with you. The, um, the access that Mike Leach gives us is really kind of unparalleled. You know, and listen, Dan Mullen at times was really good to us, and at times toward the end, you know, he, I don't think he, he really liked us much. I think he kind of tolerated us. Joe Moorhead was a, a willing partner in many respects. We didn't get to see a lot of practice, though. Mike Leach wants things to be open. He wants to see what's going on. Now, we can't shoot video or pictures when we go to team, and that, that's to be expected. You don't want people to look at personnel groups and sets and things like that. You don't want to help your opponents. But uh, Mike lets us get out there and see it go, and we see a lot. You know, we do. There's some woofing, some pushing, shoving, things like that. Occasionally, a guy or two gets banged up, and, you know, and they come back, you know. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that Mississippi State, I think, has put together a good fall camp. Now, still got some time to work. You know, we don't play again on September 3rd, and it feels like forever since we have played a college football game. I think maybe that's because of how the season ended, but it seems like it's been forever. Now, last week, I felt the defense won every day, and I was a little bit concerned maybe. I think sometimes we're undervaluing in the quality of this defense. That said, Monday and Tuesday of this week, the offense won. And I don't think it was close on Monday. I think they really responded well after the Saturday scrimmage. I did not get to see the scrimmage. Unlike some other people in this industry, if I don't go to something, I'll I'll, I'll tell you. I've been to every other practice, though. One of the first people to get there, always among the last to leave. But uh, I didn't go to Saturday scrimmage. But, uh, you know, our full crew was there. Uh, Maybe Robbie didn't go. Paul was there. Dave was there. Mike was there. And I've talked to some of our staffers, kind of off the record, just to kind of say you know, how how did it really go, you know? But the defense won. Offensively on Monday, I thought Will Rogers was sharp. I think it's it was I think it was his best day of camp. I thought the offensive line played exceptionally well. And here's the thing too that I want to kind of caution you about too when it comes to this offensive line. Zach Arnett is bringing pressure or movement or twist or stunts. I don't know. 75 80 percent of the time now you guys know as well as I do we're not going to see that very often you know Alabama might do it because they got the athletes to cover on the back end but most teams are going to drop eight and teams that go man-to-man coverage against Mississippi State usually get beat and so when you think about the fact that we've got five having to block six most plays in practice it's going to condition us to be better during the season when they do drop seven or eight, we're holding up. Remember two years ago, we, could, we, couldn't, we couldn't block three with five. It's a different deal now. These guys have kind of settled in. I think and Sharp is a big part of things. He was somewhat limited earlier in the week, but he's back. Rolled an ankle, I guess, uh, over the weekend. But uh, missed Monday, limited Monday, but he practiced on Tuesday. If we had been able to play a game, he'd have been ready to go. I, I don't think there's anybody on the roster at this point, you know, that is out for Memphis. But I like the fact that we have some competitive nature in us on offense. I like the fact that we're willing to hit back. And I think this week is rather interesting. I'm eager to see what happens at Saturday scrimmage. And, again, I won't be there. You know, we'll, have, we'll give you a recap based on what we've learned and, and the statistics and all that are available. But defense is generally ahead of the offense this time of year. And then to see the offense respond the way they have. This wide receiver group, we've kind of belabored the point almost to the point that I think we're almost uh, pushing pushing it too hard. This is a group that can really play. These guys get open. These guys understand their role in this offense. These guys can get upfield. And, you know, and it's not Jomo, it's J-Mo, Jordan Mosley. Go ahead and get familiar with that. J-Mo, Jordan Mosley, probably going to be second team behind ducking. But this is a guy that can play. And he doesn't mind getting dirty. I like receivers that are willing to go down and kind of sacrifice their body to make a big catch and on an error throw. That's who Joe Moe is. J Mo, excuse me. Jordan Mosley will do the grunt work. Now Caleb Ducking has got a completely different skill set. You lay it up there for him. He got the big frame. He's strong. He's physical, got a great catch radius. You know, gotta make plays. And he has. And again, I go back to the fact that Joe Moorhead and his staff signed this kid or committed this kid and he had one college catch under his belt. He has definitely taken the scenic route to the starting lineup. Can he be a star? He absolutely can. This offense kind of features itself on using those outside receivers. But Caleb is a walking mismatch. I can promise you everybody who lines up across from him is going to understand. I got to have sound technique or this kid, because he's so much superior athletically, is going to embarrass me. Justin Robinson's a guy, too, that has done some good things. Does he start at this point? I would say I don't know probably a two deeper. Tulu Griffin's had a good camp. Got to keep Tulu healthy. That was kind of the issue sometime last year. He missed some time in camp, and of course he was somewhat limbered in some games. But he is a guy that I think we've got to make a concerted effort to get the football to. Simeon Price continues to do well. He didn't flash as much yesterday in, in camp, but I think he has really challenged, and I think probably going to be your third team running back. Now, Bull Hargrove is not having a bad camp, but I just think he's a little bit behind those other guys. You know what you got with Woody and DJ. You do. But I think offensively, we're getting there. And, you know, we all had the concerns about the offensive line. Now, that's why you have a month of practice, right, to kind of get that group settled. And I believe we're getting there. Cam Jones now at right tackle, Albert Reese at that right guard. You know, Cole Smith and Nick Jones still kind of battling at left guard. And you may see both of them. Nick Jones, not the biggest guy, but he's got an impressive wingspan. Talks a lot of trash, too. He is interesting, to say the least. A lot of trash. But uh, those guys get after each other. Now, this defensive unit, I mean, you know what to expect across the front. You know, Nathan Pickering's a guy they've moved around some. We had a chance to interview Pick yesterday, and he has never been in better shape physically. The guy looks incredible. He He looks quicker. He looks stronger. And it needs to be the money year for him. He needs to get out there and kind of make some things happen. I think we all know this. We all agree. we got high expectations for pick. And at times, he's shown the potential that we all know that he has. And I think this is the year he puts it all together. Uh, Cam Young, you know, we don't talk about him enough because he's just routinely making plays. But the reality of this whole thing with, uh, with Cam is he has quietly become one of Mississippi State's best players on either side of the football. That's a guy you're going to have a tough time moving him out of a gap. He's a country-strong guy that's embraced the college weight room. Guy's very, very athletic. Linebackers, and I told you guys at the beginning of the camp, I was a little bit worried about depth, right? I'm not as worried about it. Sherman Tim's doing a good job backing up Ty Wheat. He's not as explosive as Ty Wheat, but, you know, Sherman's not one of those guys, too, that gets caught doing the right thing. You don't see that guy getting out of position. Is he as explosive or athletic as Tyrus Wheat? He's not. But that's a guy that can still go in there as a two-deeper and get you 15, 20 snaps a game and keep Ty fresh, and there's not a big drop-off. Deshaun Page missed some time early part of camp. You're beginning to see him emerge a little bit. And now you start looking at this linebacker group and say, okay, well, you know, maybe we've got to settle a second-team Mike, and maybe that's where Nick needs to step up and do some things. J.P. Purvis is a guy, too, that uh, has flashed a little bit in camp. So I'm not as concerned. It is still a concern, but I'm not so concerned now that I've had a chance to watch, you know, 10 practices or so. And so I feel better about that group. To me, the talk of camp is the safety play. Now, yesterday was interesting. Jalen Green, for the first time in camp, did not run with the ones. He ran with the twos. Corey Ellington ran with the ones. How about that? so a little bit of a shift there now is that to motivate Jalen Green or just you know he's had some moments in camp he's been really good and he's had some others that maybe he wasn't quite as good but yesterday you're your starting safeties across the board Jackie Matthews Colin Duncan Corey Ellington and Corey Ellington again I've shared with you guys he looks like a completely different player this is a guy that really, you know, once he got into a nutrition plan and got on the weight room, you know, he, he, he has taken advantage of his opportunity. And so I feel good about the direction of that group. And then you think about, you know, Sean Preston running second team, Jalen Green out there running around, you know. Uh, you know. Jordan Morant's done some decent things. And, of course, he's still playing catch-up. He didn't get here until the summer, so he didn't get the benefit of spring. I just think this corners room, you know, we, we kind of held our breath last year and it's like we can ill afford an injury here. Because we basically had three corners to play with. Three and a half, I guess. This year, I think it's closer to five and a half. I think we feel really good about Marcus Banks. And DeCamryon is still holding off Marcus Banks. But Marcus Banks is coming. And it's like if we do have a situation where we got to rotate, I don't think there's a lot of drop-off there. Uh, Davian Cowan's down at depth chart a little bit. He's had a good camp. Quietly having a good camp. So some of these newcomers, I think, are going to play uh, Trevion Williams got a little bit banged up in practice earlier this week. He's a big, strong kid, and, I, you know, I expect him to play this year. Uh, you begin to think, with well, Steve, there's so many guys on this line. I think you got to get him some snaps because I think we all know he's probably a three-year player, right? So let's take advantage of that this year, get his feet wet, and have him ready to move into the starting lineup next year. We don't want him to be in a situation where next year he's making his debut you know, as a red shirt. You know, he could play in four games this year, but the reality of it is, I think that guy needs to get some meaningful snaps, you know, when the game is still, uh, you know, being decided. But I feel better about the team. I think field goal kicking Saturday was a bit of an adventure. It's been good this week. And, and that was so crazy about Saturday is I think Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week, the kickers were perfect. And then we get out there Saturday and we miss a couple, you know, and then Monday and Tuesday of this week has been, uh, we're kind of back to where we are. So, uh, we can't kick field goals on the practice field, though. We've got to be able to do it at Davis-Wade Stadium. So, again, encouraged about what we've seen. The team is off today. we back at practice Thursday and Friday. And uh, we'll have an update for you on, on Friday's show. And then, of course, Monday we'll be into a Mock Week as they get ready to uh, for their preseason preparations. You know, we're almost there. So we'll close camp here in a couple days and then uh, get ready to – go through mock week. Of course, at that point, they'll split the team between two deepers and scout teamers, and then everybody will get to work in their new jobs, and we'll start getting ready for the Memphis Tigers. If you had not done so, go to dogpilebook.com, and you can get all my sports books there, Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, and Stark Villains, and of course, Bloomsville, Leander, available through different outlets, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, booksmegan.com and if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and I know you are, go to starkvillains.com, get a t-shirt, a hoodie. Uh, Everybody needs a new hoodie. It'll be cold here before you know it, even if it doesn't feel like it today. All right, I'm out of here a little bit early. I got to pack a bag and hit the road. But we'll see you guys soon. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving.